the global co-working and conference community, we've had our fingers on the pulse of co-working since 2012, and we've connected thousands of operators, both in person and online. On the Juicy Podcast, we talk with the people making it happen day in and day out. Let's get to it. Okay, y'all, I'm so excited that my friend Bill Bennett is with us today because Bill like actually started later than I did, which I didn't know until today. I started in 2010 with a co-working space. He started in 2012 and he has now 3.8 million square feet. He has 45 locations, 43 of those which are owned. He's in 34 cities. And when he's not doing all of that, he's raising kids and has 11 years of teaching MBA students, which a lot of people don't know, at Kellogg. So holy shit, how do you have any time for yourself? Well, I think, you know, life is best when you're busy. And I just have a passion for running a business and my family and and Kellogg. But it's, it's certainly a challenge to figure out how to take care of myself sometimes. Yeah. Well, on that note, how are you doing personally, not professionally? How am I doing? You know, I like the beginning of the year and I like being forward looking. So this, I feel energized after the holidays. I'm very nervous personally about 2023, but my health's good. I'm happy. My family's good. Business is a challenge. You know, overall, I'm pretty, I'm in pretty great shape. Okay, so now I'm so curious. What are you nervous about? Well, I'm just nervous that the interest rates keep rising. You know, I have a lot of friends that run companies that are planning to lay off staff. And so I'm a little worried about the economy and where things are going. We've seen, you know, usually this is the very best time of year for us, but we have not seen the normal demand surge of leads coming through for first quarter Ooh. yet. So hopefully it's just sort of delayed due to the holidays, but but there's some early leading indicators that are a little worrisome, both for the economy and also for the workspace industry. Oh, yay. Great. We're going to dig into those. So interesting. I think that we haven't seen great demand because I think so many schools are still out right now. I think it'll follow. It'll lag. But I think things are just going to come back different post-COVID. I talked to a bunch of smaller space operators today who were all seen really good uptake rates straight out of the year. So I think it's a it's a mixed bag out there. But do you think we're headed towards a recession or do you think it's a dip? Well, I think for sure it's a dip. I think, you know, it's it's just a question of how resilient the economy is to an increase in interest rates and and sort of the whether there's any sort of big shocks determines if it's a recession or how big of a recession and how long of a recession is. I'm not great at forecasting such things, um, and I don't think anybody is. But but uh, the overall sentiment I have is one should be wary right now because it's it's definitely not smooth sailing. Yeah, totally agreed. And I'm curious, like one of the things I've been talking about a lot lately is I feel like real estate state is headed towards like a major reckoning because so many people are letting go of office space in lieu of more flexible plans for their workers. Workers are demanding that flexibility. Choice is the new black. And, you know, with interest rates high and, you know, the economy and people laying off, like you're a giant real estate investor. But I think you've got like a leg up on everybody because you figured out what to do with your real estate. And I think that for all of those who haven't, 
are the ones that are really in trouble because also, and I know I'm rambling, but also like, you know, if you look at like JLL, CBRE, all of those guys, they've all tried to come out with a flexible space offering and they've just kind of fallen flat. So what do you think the future looks like for real estate? Well, I think we're talking about office real estate specifically. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, in terms of office and, and really every type of real estate, it's really about demand. So we are seeing demand. We've seen a large pickup since COVID uh, hit its depths in 2021. And last year was actually our fastest growth ever as a company in terms of uh, absorption and, and growth of EBITDA. Um, that being said, the office world of real estate is totally disjointed right now. Um, Financing is largely not available. And so this conundrum exists out there between what the future is and what the present is and how supply, demand, and capital all come together to form the solutions that exist for productive workspace and great co-working that is is needed. And it's also a very fragmented sort of experience depending on where you are in the country. So in great markets like Austin, Texas, where we're full, you wish you had five buildings. And then in challenged markets like DC or Chicago, uh, it's, it's a much different experience. And so it's hard to totally generalize, but I would say you know, co-working is on the right side of history and is the in-demand product for the future. And so more and more people are going to try to sort that out. But I think, as you alluded to, it's a really hard business and it's mm-hmm. a skill set and it's totally different than running an office business. It's it's much more akin to an apartment and a hotel had a baby and it's being run as office space. And so, you know, it doesn't surprise me that people without a background in it are struggling to to gain totally uh, vi- viability. So just for fun, yesterday I asked um, chat GB- GPT what the future is and if co-working should be in um, real estate or hospitality. And it basically said that it should be in both, which I thought was kind of interesting. So another question I had for you on real estate is you guys are in a lot of big markets, but you're also in some smaller markets. So like, I'm guessing your real estate strategy is where you can find a great deal in a city that makes sense. But are you pers- in, like going forward, are you headed more towards big cities or more towards suburban? Yeah, it's super interesting. And I wish I knew exactly what the right <laughs> strategy or answer was. Um, you know, what we've experienced is the markets that have performed the strongest are the ones that have the best combination of limited supply, significant demand from professional service and satellite enterprise users, and a reasonable price. And so what that means is a market like Savannah might be really, really favorable and a market like Chicago might be oversupplied and and lack the demand for that supply. And so, you know, there's no sort of big or small right or wrong answer. And the same thing is true with suburban and downtown. It very much depends what the local market is. You know, that being said, there's been more of a trend towards suburban Whereas mm-hmm. the first, you know, seven years of my experience in the business, that 
trend was away from suburban into downtown. And so, you know, I think these things ebb and flow and, and you know, both models can work, but it, but it's very much about the individual market and the uh, building and, and what's going on rather than, again, any sort of broad brushstroke. Yeah, that makes sense. So I was crawling around your website today and I saw that you guys have event space, you have storage, you have smart suites. Out of those, um, like additional other than like office co-working, which one of those is performing best for you and that, and which one is, is, and what else are you thinking about adding to that mix? Sure. So the uh, event training rooms, meeting rooms are the fastest growing part of the business, even though they're smaller parts of it. And so I think that is likely continue to continue and is just sort of a result of the adaptation that is happening with the workplace world. Um, where I'm sitting at in Dallas right now, we have a group uh, that is actually not a client, but they schedule quarterly meetings in different cities around the country. And there's 22 people here today that we're hosting in multiple training rooms. And so that's that's become a very interesting business that also leads to the sale of co-working, access pass, private office memberships. So I think, I think that's just the wave of the future is larger co-working spaces that can accommodate whatever uses and needs people want to experience. And then I think the other thing that's been been really clear for us coming through COVID is that the move up product has been the key to our business. And so having suites, um, club suites, which is our sort of, you know, five to 15 person firm product and uh, smart suites, which is more 10 to 75 person uh, suites, that move up product is in very high demand for people either growing out of private offices or moving out of traditional long-term space and moving into co-working slash, you know, flex office, depending on who you talk to or how they think about it. And what about the storage? Um, the self-storage is just sort of an adder. So mm. what we see is because we own the building, we get asked for storage a lot. There's a lot of attorneys and just professional firms that have files or trade show exhibits. And so, you know, we've just tried to add on additional options for members so that we can better serve them and just say yes to whatever a client wants. But the storage has rented pretty well. And, you know, we're in the process of adding more of it in a lot of buildings just because it's a bigger need since a lot of firms, my perception is a lot of firms have downsized or, you know, they have a home office and they just don't use it for storage like they might have used pre-COVID. We're seeing a lot of co-working spaces adding like retreat type spaces as more people want to go out and kind of like connect with nature and have really purposeful meetings. Is that something you guys are looking at as well? We are. Yeah. And actually in your hometown of Austin, we're building a roof deck. Um, We just built an outdoor patio at the North Austin Center. And and so outdoor space is is definitely in vogue, has been for a while. And I think the importance of it just has increased over time. And so in the co-working industry, I do see that the arms race continues and, you know, the people and firms and locations that are able to upgrade their offering are the ones that are winning a disproportionate share of demand. Yeah, agreed. So what are what are two things that you think our industry needs to get right to succeed right now? Well, I think the first thing is just adapting and innovating to the changes that are happening in the world. So a lot of people are still sort of stuck in the hope mindset that, you know, 
people are going to come back to the office and it's just going to be like it was before. And I just, I don't see that playing out. And so I think the ability for the industry to be flexible, to adapt, to give clients, you know, whatever it is they want to make the space productive again, I think mm -hmm. is, is a key piece of it. And then the second piece that I sort of see is an issue with the changing world is you know, the nature of community and belonging um, and and creating a vibrant co-working space that existed pre-COVID is not the same thing it is in today's world or the go-forward world. And I think that's a function of, you know, the fact that people are using the space more in a hybrid-like nature. There is more sort of training events, other uses of the space there's a differing mix of of customers and there's less of a sort of hardcore five day a week user experience and so mm -hmm. you know how how different spaces drive member engagement and keep people engaged to renew and be part of the community and build that vibrancy that you can just feel when you go into a great co-working space that's harder and different than it was uh, pre-COVID. And so, so I think, you know, that's an open question. And I don't think many people in our industry have figured that out or gotten it right, or, or even really knows what it's going to be or what it looks like or what clients want it to be. Hey, hey, breaking in here to make sure that you're in the know. Our annual workspace conference, Juicy, is right around the corner. It's a three-day program taking place in Chicago, April 19th through the 21st. This year's event is going to be packed with amazing speakers, exciting panel discussions, and fireside chats, plus plenty of after-hours events for networking. Whether you're a co-working operator, landlord, or vendor, just interested in the future of work, this conference has something for you. It's divided into tracks so that you can attend the sessions that are most relevant to you right here, right now. Mark your calendars April 19th through the 21st and don't miss out on this opportunity. Connect with others, learn from the best, and be a part of the co-working revolution. The content is great, but the people are better. You need to be in the room. Tickets are available at na.gcuc.co. Hope to see you there. Yeah. How are you guys? I'm really curious because you guys have got so many locations and you're all across the U.S. How do you guys like build community on a national scale? Well, I don't think you can build it on a national scale. I think mm. it's very much about the individual locations and the the people and the programming. And, you know, you can roll out training and, and great programming on a national scale, but ultimately it's about engaging with your local community tweaking whatever it is you're doing to reflect the nature of of that you know given center and market and then you know finding leadership within the building that want to you know further define it and build it you know if we host a party and we invite people um you know a few people are going to show up if one of the members or a couple of the members get engaged and they help us hold a party you're going to get four or five x as much as much engagement. So, you know, part of the lesson for me is, you know, let the local customer tell you what it is they want, listen and provide it for them. And so I think, I think this is part of what co-working operators are great at. And I think it's what, you know, some of the people that are trying to enter the business that are into more traditional sort of, you know, running these, these centers, operating the businesses. Yeah, it's interesting because one of the questions I had for you was going to be like, who do you think your biggest competitor is? Well, and then I'll tell you who I think it is. Yeah, well, you know, I think at the moment our biggest competitor 
probably just is the market condition and, you know, feeling where demand is and where, you know, the capital markets are that provide capital to, to the business and to the real estate world. Cause right now that's, that's, you know, both, both ends of that demand spectrum in certain markets are just not sufficient and the and the capital markets are largely closed and so right now our biggest biggest concerns are unfortunately really out of our control and in a given market and in the capital markets and so you fight as hard as you can and you live to see the the demand resume or the the markets reopen but i'm interested in your perspective because i i don't know otherwise so i really think the hospitality industry is going to really come for this market you know working from is really doing a good job uh, lifetime to me they're coming kind of from the hospitality industry. I think, you know, hotels and gyms and other industries that maybe weren't so much on our radar are really kind of popping up. And they are just, you know, like I was talking to James O'Reilly from Lifetime and I was like, where do you get all your people? He gets them from Lifetime, from the gyms. And I was like, oh, that's brilliant. Like you've got a feeder of people coming in to work in your space. I love that. So I think that, you know, that's like, I wouldn't think of like an industrious or a Regis or whatever. I would be more like, I think the industry we should all be looking at is hospitality. And there's so much, I know hospitality is super buzzy, whatever, but people, you know, as the market gets more and more crowded, I'm always telling operators, like, nobody cares that you have a meeting room. Nobody cares that you have a phone. Nobody cares that you have internet. Nobody cares that you have coffee because everybody has those things. Like, what are you doing that's different? And a lot of the ways to differentiate yourself end up being hospitality. Yeah, well, I think it's super interesting. And, you know, time will tell if you're right or not. There's obviously a lot of people in the hospitality business that have tried it, you know, have flubbed it. And so, you know, we'll see which ones it's it's meaningful to and which ones are good at it. But I, I definitely think they bring innovation. They bring the right sort of attitude and experience to it. And then the question is, you know, can they learn the other pieces of the business that are far different mm-hmm. than hospitality, which is sort of like demand generation and economic model. And, you know, is it big enough and exciting enough to them? And, you know, do they, do they really focus on it as a core business or as an afterthought? Most of the hospitality providers I've seen have, you know, treated it as an afterthought, sort of like the office owners. Well, this is our space. We can't use for anything else. So we'll put co-working there because, you know, anything would be better than the, you know, the nothing we get out of it now. And then of course it fails because it's an afterthought. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I think that's the question for me about whether any of these hospitality players actually develops a compelling, you know, successful program. I can't think of one that's done it yet, but I continue to believe they could and that they're well positioned from a service standpoint to do a great job operating a co-working space. Yeah, there's a couple of good examples in Europe. And I think they started out with like, oh, we're going to call our lobby co-working. But then they decided to go all in. And it's it's been interesting to watch. And I, I think like if, you know, a Ritz-Carlton or a Starwood decides to really take this on, it could be fascinating to watch. Yeah, I, I think it would be shocking if they did. But, you know, I, I do think it would be fascinating. It's interesting that you say Europe. I mean, Europe 
is is not typically the leader in innovation in, mm -hmm. in any industry that I can think of besides co-working. And so so it's it's uh it's certainly where we have seen the history of co-working develop and and you know the Europeans do that incredibly well. And um, you know, my business model of owning the real estate is very common in Europe and mm -hmm. for whatever reason just is uncommon in the US. So I think the Europeans have always been at the forefront of co-working. Yeah, I agree. I agree. They're into like London, everywhere you go, co-working. There's like four or five on every block. It's incredible. Okay. So what are two things that we need to get right? Um, we as an industry, we as yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think I think the things we need to get right are how we collectively, you know, sort of serve customers and provide good service. And, you know, right now that's a mixed bag. You have lots of the bigger players in the industry right now, reducing their service level and pulling services out mm -hmm. because they got into a bad economic model. You know, you had one of the, you know, public companies and, you know, they were giving a dollar of, they were getting a dollar of revenue for $2 of service and no surprise that wasn't a, a good economic model. And so, you know, now now they're stripping out the service level, but what happens is, you know, customers get really confused about what the offering is and nobody likes to see their, you know, experience get worse every day. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's, that's, that's part of the, you know, I would like to see all my competitors create happy clients and customers, um, no matter how much we compete with them, because growing a bigger pie and serving customers well and having them have a great experience in our industry is really, really important for all of us. Mm -hmm. And then the, the second piece is, I think the economic models in our business are uh, up in the air. And so, you know, for for a sector long term to get things right, it has to be profitable to be sustainable. And right now mm -hmm. we just have way too many small and large operators that have been destroying capital and don't have a um, viable economic model. And that creates doubt in our sector to invest in and, you know, for good reason. And so I think the shakeout is going to be the demand is going to come back. I don't know exactly when. Um, there's actually not enough near enough supply to deal with the demand that's coming totally agree and so i think that's where you know the pricing and the economics will improve and this supply demand and capital will come together um, to find solutions because that's just how markets work but there's going to be some some more shakeout i mean we've tracked 800 competitors that have closed location 800 competitor locations that have closed since covid and you know i think there's going to be a bunch more of it until we get to a economic model that works and investors are comfortable that both the demand and the way the capital is going to be treated is going to yield a good outcome yeah it's kind of interesting i i wonder and i mean maybe you have some insight for this. I feel like co-working is an industry where people repeatedly don't have to show profitability to get money. Well, I think that's changed. I mean, it, it definitely was that way. You had a lot of people, you know, raising venture capital money, saying this was a technology business or, you know, mm -hmm. whatever they were pitching and they were getting it. They were running on profitable centers. They were running from for growth. And, you know, that, that has gone away since 2019. It did create an overhang of space in many markets in the business and it created you know huge discounting to support growth versus profit um, in today's world that capital is all gone and 
so, you know, this new round of capital pr- comes from private investors and uh, who are very skittish about the industry at the moment. And so, you know, we're going to need to see occupancy continue to rise, rates rise, uh, economics be good to attract money and the, the co-working operators who can't generate a sustainable profit. It's just not going to be a good business to be in long term. And I think that's why we're seeing lots of locations close is, you know, people had this dream of selling their spaces based upon revenue and, and there is no buyer for those spaces now or, or anywhere in the near future. Yeah. I mean, I totally believe that people are going to choose to work from where they want to work for or to or wherever. And that the companies that are saying you have to come back to work are just going to lose people, period, end of story. They'll just go somewhere else. And then I think that means that we're going to have such an influx of human beings looking for a place to work. I think they're going to be drawn to spaces where their needs are being met that are convenient for them and that give them a sense of belonging or a sense of community, even if it is for one day a week, because we as humans need, crave, and deserve that. And then I think what will happen is there's not going to be enough of those spaces out there because so many closed during COVID. And because I do think WeWork's numbers are going to be bad and continue to be bad and that they could declare bankruptcy, which is going to then hurt raising money even more. But then we'll have so much demand that it's going to be undeniable and it'll flip the other way as real estate struggles, people that can solve the real estate problem and all of those companies that are thinking of new and innovative ways to solve that real estate problem, whether it's putting movie studios in office buildings or apartments or whatever, are going to do really well. Yeah, I think you bring up an interesting and good point, which is the pendulum always swings and it swings widely. And then there's some sort of regression to the mean that happens. I don't think everybody's just going to get to work wherever they want, whenever they want. We're already seeing companies and clients pull their people into space and are happy to part with people right now. And so I think there was an overcorrection on what worked for companies versus employees. And employees had a very strong hand recently in the job market, but th- but that's that's changing. And you know, if you look at US productivity numbers, we had the worst year of productivity in 2022 in, in US recorded history since 1947. And so what that means is companies aren't going to continue you doing what they've done. And and the only sort of logical explanation I can come to with productivity numbers was that, you know, they spiked initially during COVID because people had nothing else they could do but work. Mm -hmm. And then they sort of burnt themselves out. They weren't as scared for their job. And then the world started reopening and they could sort of do whatever they wanted. And and they did. And they worked less and were less productive. And the relationships and collaboration and innovation that is so critical to firms creating a successful future, that started to degrade. And most companies, um, because they don't have a productive workspace solution, whether that's hybrid or work from home or full-time office or whatever variant it is, that office fundamentally is a productivity tool. Workspace, co-working, it's a productivity tool. And because people weren't getting productivity out of their employees and out of their firms, they have to change something. And so I do think there is going to be some sort of regression to the mean in terms of how companies use space. And it might be like the firm that's downstairs and they just pay to bring people together for 
quarterly training and events and collaboration sessions. Um, I think it's going to be more firms bringing people back to the office. And we are certainly seeing that and, you know, expect to continue seeing that. And then I think there's going to be, you know, plenty of people that just work from home that are in sort of more of a back office role and are not sort of ambitious and have tons of career drive. And, uh, you know, that's just best life for them and they choose it. And then I think there's going to be some people that are sort of more in this, you know, they get to call the shots space because they're a high demand employee with unique skills and they can work from wherever they want, live wherever they want. And and I do think that's a bold new world. Um, but I, I think that's a much smaller part of the value chain than I think you'd probably sound like you do. Huh. All right. Well, we'll see how that plays out. Okay. So in order for our audience to get to know you better, I'm going to ask you a series of fast paced questions because I know you can hang with me. You ready? Rip it. Okay. What book are you reading? I am actually reading The Moon is a Harsh Mistress. And it's a sci-fi book about, you know, the moon being colonized and what looks life looks like. You know, it was written many decades ago, but I think is a very thoughtful and interesting read about how society can and will change from technology's influence. The main character in the book is actually an AI computer. And and hmm. so, you know, it just it's almost mind-boggling to think about how this author came up with the plot line and and articulated it so well. And it's it's partially, I think, what we're seeing just the infancy of right now with chat GPT, which everybody is talking about. But but the AI industry is going to dramatically remake almost everything uh, that yep. we do on a day-to-day basis in the future. And and this book is, is really a thoughtful review of it. Oh, I love it. I'm going to add it to the list. Okay. We were going bankrupt or not? Bankrupt. Who's your biggest competitor? The markets. What software is most essential to run your business? I would say Yardi Cube. Nice. They're going to love that. What brand do you buy most of your furniture from? There's no specific brand. Interesting. Have you tried chat GPT? I have. I have it up on my oh. laptop right now. The Cowboys or the Bears? Cowboys. Good call, says the Texan. I also okay. I put money on them on Vegas, so I've, I've got I've got a horse in the horse in the game. I love it. I love it. Um, okay, and then our last question, which I am super interested to hear from you, is Bill Bennett. What's your superpower? What is my superpower? I think my superpower is bringing teams of people together to accomplish hard things and. You know, I guess if I had to say what's super about it, it's the ability to attract really great people and help them be their best self. I love that. I thought it was going to be learning because I feel like you're always learning. And I think that's so key. And I really appreciate your support when I went to get some extra education because I know you were cheering me on and I appreciate that. Yeah, that's your genius. And and I love it. So really appreciate the time and I'm supportive however I can be, Liz. You're the best. Love you right back. And we are going to look forward to seeing you in Chicago soon. All right. Take care. Take care, y'all. And we'll see you on the next Juicy Podcast.